0: Everyone, and this is Gerard Fox, Gerard Fox Law, with this service that I provide you for no subscription. I bring you exciting guests from all over the world, and they tell their story in 25 minutes that you can listen to on a walk or exercising, and then your knowledge base grows. And I thank you for all the kind emails we're receiving. This is eventually going to become a radio program if the audience continues to grow, so spread the word. Today, as I promised another great guest, and a chance for you to learn if you run a business of any type and you advertise or you have content online about your business. I have with me today Audrey Glover-Dichter. Founder, she founded Glover-Dichter uh, PL in October 1999, and she has been a solo practitioner since. Now, I should tell you that in the law, solo practitioners who have a niche area expertise are the best to hire. Go to a big law firm, and they have somebody that maybe knows a little bit about this, you may pay a lot and get little good advice. This area of the law is very, very important, and we're lucky to have her. Her boutique firm focuses on advertising, marketing, and promotions law, intellectual property law, privacy law, and ADA online compliance. Your compliance that's something that means you have to obey. Audrey works with clients nationwide and worldwide in English and my Spanish. Speaking audience, in Spanish, helping businesses protect themselves by doing legal due diligence to minimize legal risk. In order to better serve her clients, Audrey is licensed in D.C., Florida, New Jersey, and New York, and she gives advice to clients all over the U.S. Having lived abroad, Audrey is fluent in Spanish, semi-fluent in French and Portuguese, Audrey graduated from American University, Washington College of Law in Washington, D.C., where she focused on international law. So, Audrey, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Jerry. I appreciate it.
0: You know, when I think of you, and that's a lot of information, when I introduce my guests, they all have credentials and they all have these great stories, but in a word or two or a line or two, you make sure that people, when they post things, either in an ad, a TV show, a radio spot, a blog spot, online, but in any type of advertisement or promotion, that they're not violating the law or saying something that could get them in trouble. Is that correct?
1: Correct. So I do advertising, marketing, promotions law, and that attaches to any business regardless of what your product or your service is, how big, how small, where you're located. It doesn't matter. The law is a law and applies. So I review everything and anything that is in your marketing campaign, including your labeling, your packaging, your social media campaigns, and of course your websites. And your websites have become a major way of attracting new business. Given with COVID, we can't get out. So websites have become crucial to every business, but those are the ones that are causing the most headaches nowadays.
0: Yes. And in fact, you know, truth in advertising is a requirement under federal and state law. That's number one. And number two, you can say things that you might think are appropriate that aren't. And Audrey, you know, basically reads your print and make sure that it complies. Now, you're fluent in Spanish. How amazing. How did you become fluent in Spanish?
1: Well, I know my name doesn't sound it, but I am Latin and I did all my elementary schooling in Buenos Aires, Argentina. So yeah, my dad was from Argentina. My mom was in Spain. I still have family in both countries. So I still use Spanish daily.
0: That's fantastic because a lot of businesses today in the United States are run by companies that market into a Spanish speaking audience. So the most important thing that my audience can hear is that this is a person who speaks fluent and reads fluent Spanish. That's important. For example, like if you're an agent and you're booking concerts and you're sending contracts to Mexico or to Peru or to Colombia, you would want to absolutely know, you know, what the contract says that could get you in trouble, and uh, you want to make sure again that you know you're not saying the wrong things. So, how amazing is that? Why did you start your own practice and business? That's always a big, you know, we have a lot of entrepreneurs out there and taking the leap is always a big one. Let's talk about your leap into your own business.
1: Oh, I was so ready. (laughs) I was really, really ready. Well, I didn't have great experiences working in small, medium law firms, but the biggest reason why is for me personally, I wanted to raise my own girls. So working from home gave me that flexibility so I can be my own boss, set my own crazy schedule, and not miss out on being a mom. But at the same time, I kept practicing law. And yes, I kept crazy hours. I still keep crazy hours, you know, writing, doing work at four or five o'clock in the morning sometimes, you know, when those deadlines are coming up and you need to get the workout. But whatever it takes, it's your own business. So... You- You do whatever you do to be successful.
0: Well, let's clap out about that. You know, our firm, one of our founding uh, principles is that all the lawyers and women included should be able to balance work and life by working remotely from home when they need to. And, uh, you know, that is not typical of many law firms, but, uh, you know, congratulations to you. And what was your experience as you went into your own business? You know, you've been wildly successful, but maybe you can take the audience on a little bit of your journey.
1: Sure. You know, it's always nerve-wracking at first because you never know what you're doing because it's one thing working at a firm and they just hand you files and say, here, work on this. It's another thing you having to go out there and figure out your own way and where to find the clients. So at first it was a little bumpy, but, you know, clients started coming in and and you just Keep going. You never ever, ever, ever stop advertising or marketing. Well, not just advertising, but you really never start marketing yourself in the best way possible. Even if you're busy, you know, every business needs to keep marketing no matter how busy you are, because you can't put all your eggs in one basket. And just because you're busy, you don't wanna you don't want that pipeline to st- stop flowing. You want your pipeline, keep keep going. And you know, if you just grow and if you need to hire people, you hire people.
0: And what over, now how long have you been doing this?
1: I've been on my own since October 99.
0: So, you know, we're talking about decades of experience, correct?
1: Mm-hmm. As a lawyer, yes. Give
0: us some examples. What are some of the things that people tend to get in trouble uh, with that they, you know, wouldn't think they would get in trouble, but they stayed in an advertisement without naming any companies, but just give us some general ideas of things that some companies do wrong.
1: So a lot of things can go wrong. And I'm going to go back to websites because the websites honestly are the biggest ones that are causing headaches for businesses. As a matter of fact, today, well, on Friday last week, I got a call from somebody because they're being sued (laughs) for being non-ADA compliant.
0: Let me stop you there. What does ADA mean?
1: Thank you. Good question. It's the American with Disabilities Act. So normally people think of the ADA compliance as the ramps that you see in buildings for wheelchairs or having big bathrooms and public bathrooms for accessibility or having closed caption available for the hearing impaired. And those are things that always fall under the ADA. Now, with the blessing of the Justice Department, they're going, you know, there's a few ways of applying the ADA to online uh, websites. So basically, your websites must be ADA compliant in the back end, and you need to be legally compliant on the front end as well. So for example, you need to be worried about how it works on the back end. So when you're building a website, the first thing you should be asking your web designer is, are you familiar with ADA compliance? And are you're going to make mine ADA compliant, right? And I'm telling you right now, it will cost a little bit more money, but it's well worth the cost because hopefully it'll keep you out of court.
0: Now, let me ask you, what what types of things would be ADA compliant? In other words, if a person is blind or... They they can't hear, but really blind, or they've got really impaired vision. What? How could you make your web page ADA compliant?
1: So that's a great question, Jerry. They people with disabilities use something called a screen reader, and it picks up on different things on your website. So one of the main things that you need to do is to have alt text. You'll probably always have seen it in the back end when you post a picture or something or you post something in the back end, like a blog or something, it always asks for an old text. Put something in there because that's something that the screen reader will pick up. There's colorblind people. So it's important to make sure that your website is built in a way where people who are not legally blind or maybe they can still see even if they're legally blind but they need that high contrast coloring in the back end so it works with their screen reader and the screen reader can pick up things so there's a whole lot of other things that need to be you know very particular it's very demanding and it requires man hours obviously because it needs to be done correctly in the back end but it's not just You know, set it and forget it. It's you need to make sure that if you're somebody like me that likes to post a lot, that you maintain that compliance throughout. So if you're not sure, make sure you get your website checked every quarter for legal compliance, whether it's, you know, the ADA compliance or the intellectual property or the privacy laws, because, or even better, the advertising laws, because. Law changes. And as the law changes, your website has to change with it. So set it and forget it is no longer the norm for websites. It needs to flow along with what the law is. And the law will change, always does. So you need to make sure you're compliant regardless of how long you have your website.
0: My audience, I want you to wake up and take note. ADA. And really, you're not going to really know what that means. Probably in many cases, and for those of you who do know, hats off to you. But if you don't, you're going to have to call Audrey Glover Dictor, and she will walk you through it. But, you know, that that's very interesting because a lot of small mom-and-pop businesses get their website up. They put together the cash, and they pay their website designer, and they get somebody to host it. And then they learn how to go online and, and post updates, you know, that they have a new product or sales. But at, at what percentage do you think just generally – of those kind of mom and pop or mid-sized or small businesses that don't have a huge internal legal department that would be on top of this, likely probably have an ADA issue. You just had to estimate.
1: That's a rough estimate. Well, I can tell you that the numbers are increasing. Last year in 2020 was the first year that 20% of the federal lawsuits were for app non-ADA compliance. So it's not just websites. If you also have an app for your business, you need to make sure that that is also compliant. But the numbers are really staggering. So it's pretty crazy here. I'm trying to pull numbers for you, but it's really amazing. And the way this works is there's a few firms around the country, right, that Are the ones who file these claims and they target certain industries every week? So, like last week, it was obviously small retailers online on Shopify, and then the next week could be restaurants, and restaurants are very high on the list for being targeted for non ADA compliance. So, let me
0: stop you there when you say. So is this sort of like, you know, in the world of IP law, there's copyright and trademark trolls, people who, you know, kind of hide the fact that they own these intellectual property rights, and then they, of course, you know, will sue you when you copy a pattern or design or something that's covered by the trademark or patent or copyright law. And of course, uh, just as a side note, world that's listening, our firm successfully argued to a federal district court judge that trolls who put their um IP out there for the purpose of ensnaring someone in an intellectual property suit are waiving their intellectual property rights. But I digress. Now, who are the people who are suing? Is it the federal government or the state government, or is it private law firms?
1: Unfortunately, it's private law firms with the blessings of the State Department. I mean, excuse me, the Justice Department. And as you very well know, in California, California is the one state in the country that I know of that has its own ADA kind of law. It's, so the thing with that is that you also have to deal with not just the state law, but also the federal law. And technically you could legitimately be sued in state and federal court for the same thing at the same time in California which is obviously a huge problem, considering that the least, the smallest amount of uh, judgment, the smallest judgment I've seen so far has been about $50,000. Oh my God. Yeah, that's for a small business. I know I'm a small business. I would rather spend the ten thousand dollars that it costs me to be legally compliant ahead of time and skip the forty, fifty thousand dollars of and the and everything else that goes along with a lawsuit, you know, the headaches, the stress, the time that publicity,
0: mis- the cost of hiring you to step in and negotiate a resolution. People hire you to negotiate these resolutions. Is that correct?
1: Right. I'll negotiate. I'm not a litigator, so that's where you come in. <laughs> yes. Yes, <laughs> so indeed. I would work with you for if this ends up in court, we would work together. Like in the back and I would give you the legitimate, you know, like the law. I help with a substantive law while you're litigating in a courtroom. But yeah, I don't litigate, but I do help the clients because I also work with the techs. That do the back end. So if you have a website designer or you have a team or you have an AT department, I will come in and talk to them and say, okay, let's run scans. Let's figure out exactly what is wrong. And a lot of times when they send you this demand letter, they will include pages and pages and pages of what is wrong with your website. So I like to run my own scans that I trust and I rely on, you know, to see. How reliable was their scan? Is it a, a, a good scan or is it not so much a good scan, right? So we can tell whether or not this lawsuit or potential lawsuit is viable or not. So I do like to work with the text in the back end to figure all that out and to bring them into compliance. And then I would draft all the legal language that needs to be on the front end of your website with regards to the ADA compliance language, along with all your privacy documents and, you know, your terms of use, which, by the way, is your it's your legally binding contract between your business and the user on your website.
0: Okay, so let me ask you a question that will be very much front of mind for people who are listening today. And please listen to this. You know, when you're running a business and you get stung and get hit, By some type of penalty that can be, you know, $50,000 when you're taking home, maybe $150,000 or $200,000. I mean, that's not just a headache. That's a real problem. That's a payment plan that you're going to be on for a long time. So let me just pause it for you or pose for you, I should say. Let's say you have a a business and it has 15, 20 employees and it has a website and it's not ADA compliant because they hired somebody who is doing it as, you know, on the side and they put you know posted it up there and forgot about it. And, and they don't even know the ADA exists, but they're listening to this episode and they're thinking, Man, I gotta call Audrey now and I gotta make sure I don't, you know, like I have to be able to figure this out. How do you charge when a client calls you up and says, Hey, I got a small business, you know, we maybe bring in a half a million to a million a year, and I've got a website and I I, I have uh, I blog a little bit and I do some things you know, but I need to be ADA compliant. I don't want this 50,000 minimum. Fine. Uh, so how do you charge for that?
1: Okay. So there's two components of that. The first component is the legal, which is what I do. And then there's the back end tech that needs to bring you up to date. So I know plenty of people who would be easy to work with and get this, you know, get your website up to date in the back end while I do all the legalese. Now, when I review a website, I'm not just reviewing for ADA compliance. I'm reviewing for advertising law compliance, you know, because you don't want the FTC or the FDA or the SEC, or depending on what your business or your product is, you don't want them coming after you because you didn't do that compliance. Right. So I'm looking for compliance perspective from federal, state, and local for advertising law under the Federal Trade Commission. And that's where I start. I don't stop there. <laughs> you know, That's where it always starts. And then I bring in, depending what other federal agency may be involved, like if you do cosmetics, it would be the FDA, obviously. So they have their own set of rules. And just about every federal agency has their own advertising rules. And so do all 50 states under the state attorney's office. So Depending, again, what your product or your service is, it depends how intricate that review may be. I also review for intellectual property issues because if you want to use a video or music or photos you need to figure out whether or not you have the clearance to do that or do we need to file clearances that gives you the you know the um, that allows you to use that by paying certain royalties and then of course you got all the privacy issues on top of the ADA because you never know who's going to be sitting on on your website so depending on who is on your website it depends which privacy law could potentially be triggered Uh, And I'm not just talking the US, I'm talking internationally. So, GDPR as well. Yeah. Uh,
0: So, Audrey, when a, so do you like, for example, I represented a company, it was a video game company, it was in a city in the US, and they uh, hired a website designer. And little did they know that the website designer, when they took a really cool shot of the city in which their business was located, they did not have, they didn't pick up on the fact that that was a, uh, Picture that had been taken by a photographer who owned the copyrights to that picture. So all of a sudden, a lawyer calls up and they've got a mess on their hands. They probably, you know, the demand was a hundred thousand dollars, and you know, because of these type of you know copyright troll type lawyers, and they had to pay us, and we had to really push hard and say they were a small business. And of course, they can't, even though they could technically countersue the website designer. That's a small. The reason they got in that. Trouble in the first place. It wasn't a significant, well-established website designer. It was just somebody doing it on the side. So they they, did, they were friends with this person. They didn't want to sue them and and, and bring them into the loop. Real headache. So do you uh, get clearances? Like if I'm going to post a website and I say, Audrey, can you make sure my pictures are cleared? Is that something you do, or will we have to look elsewhere, or do you prefer? No, no,
1: no. Well, that's this goes back to what you were saying before early. Early on in in this podcast, I'm a one stop shop. So I review for all four fields of law and talk to the client about what needs to be done and what needs to be updated. And I love working with the creatives that are creating all that content, right? So I review for the advertising for the intellectual property. If we need a clearance, I will tell the client and I will work with the client and the creative to make sure that we get whatever clearances we need for music or for the video or for the photo or even better that one of my first questions always is where'd you get this photo? (laughs) That's always gotta be the first question. Where did you get it? Right. Did you pay for it? Where did you like, what license did you buy it from? You know, because like, for example, Shutterstock, right. That's a great company and they have amazing, amazing photography, but you got to pay for their photos and depending, and most of you, or a lot of you may know that they have different licensing levels. So depending on how much you're paying for that particular photo, it depends on what you could do with the photo, how you can use that photo. So if you didn't pay to put it on your website, you might be getting that call. So yeah, there's a lot that goes on into a review, and honestly, it's all about being the, doing your legal due diligence right up front. Because if you do your legal due diligence, and you know, there's never a hundred percent guarantee that nothing's ever going to happen. But you know, if something does happen and something does come up, hopefully. I can go in there and get rid of it by showing the judge or whoever is raising the problem and say, look, we did our legal due diligence. We have all this paperwork. We have our paper trail. We can we can show that A, you can substantiate your claim and how, and B, that you did buy the photo and you have your clearances or you have all your cookies in order and you have everything legally compliant for privacy law on the front end and the back end and also the, you know, for the ADA compliance, the American Disabilities Act. So unlike, like Jerry said before, I'm a one-stop shop. I'll do all four when I review your, for legal compliance of your marketing campaign. For me, websites are part of your marketing campaign, obviously, right? So, but there's also social media. Like, I got hired to review social media campaign for a business, a cannabis business. And you know, we needed to change quite a bit of the wording. so in order to be legally compliant. And the thing about my field of law, which is industry agnostic, is that it's unlike other fields of law where it's like a yes or no or maybe yes or maybe no. My field is, yeah, let's figure out how, because there's always a how, right? Yes. As long as we're doing it ethically and legally, we can figure out how. And that's the beauty of working with the creatives—that you really do get creative, <laughs> and it's fun that way.
0: Yeah. Well, I want everyone listening to this. You know, we have guests, and Audrey is very humble and very understated, but what she does is probably needed by every person listening online. If you listen to this podcast and don't rush to email your website designer and host and the people in your company or business that are handling social media to say, hey, you know, are we ADD? Is it ADD or is No, it ADA.
1: A- A- ADA. With Disability, American Act. with Disability Act. 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 Act.
0: Okay, everything right. ends with an A. That's right, in federal uh, regulation. But ADA, all right, this is the law and none of us know it and it has pages and pages and pages of requirements in addition to you know truth in advertising law and other requirements that you know state bars licensing requirements all sorts of things go into this so you know the important question now because we all know that we're going to we're going to want to call Audrey and say hey Audrey can you you know talk to my technical people and you know look at the whole picture how do people get in touch with you
1: well, thank you for that, Jerry. I would love to hear from people that need my help. Well, my email address is my name. So it's Audrey, A-U-D-R-E-Y, at my last name, Glover, G-L-O-V-E-R, Dictor, D-I-C-H-T-E-R.com. And if you didn't get that, just look for me on www audrey linkedin altogether.com and that puts you on my linkedin page and then you have all my contact information there
0: now i'm going to tell a little nugget to the audience when you go hire a big firm because you know you're let's just say your dad your mom your colleagues you know you work with this big law firm and they find somebody who knows a third of a third of a third of what audrey does they will bill you far more because they have huge overhead and they have to always bill. Far more, those beautiful marble floors that you see, those exotic paintings, all that furniture, all those people running around—that all costs money. So they bill a lot. When you hire, and, and I've worked with um, solo practitioners, you know, who register copyrights or trademarks, and people like Audrey who will handle this niche—that's so important to your everyday business life. They're so much more efficient. If I get their bills. I fall out of my chair. I'm thinking, my God! But of course, they're just being truthful not just helping you be truthful in your advertising, they're being truthful in their billing. They're not padding. They don't have to. They don't have big overhead. So give Audrey a call.
1: Well, the main reason is because I prefer I don't like billable hours. So I would rather just have a flat rate or if necessary, if it's a long term project, do you know monthly retainer until the project is over and be done and not worry so much about the money because I rather work on the case and work with the client and the tech and whoever we need to work with to get everything done correctly. And yeah, it's not about billable hours. I just prefer flat rates. It's much easier.
0: Yeah. That's music to, I will tell you, clients love flat rates because they know there's no surprise. That's what they pay. And I will tell you, actually, my clients from South America and Central America, they only want to talk about flat rates because that's, culturally sort of how things are often done in many uh, you know business areas. Well Audrey, it has been a delight and mostly you know most importantly this show is to provide a public service to anybody who owns a business or who is thinking about starting their own business. There's the entrepreneurial story of Audrey starting her own company and she's a woman in business and she's a L- Latino woman in business which is really something to be proud of and to clap out for and support all the time. But, you know, this is an amazing story of an amazing woman who's multicultural, who also is there to help your business. This is important. So thank you, Audrey. And, and I will tell you, I, I am, am imploring everyone to call you so that they don't get hit with this fifteen thousand dollars minimum fine.
1: Bueno, muchísimas gracias, Cherry.
0: <laughs> thank you so
1: much, Cherry.
0: <laughs> yes, thank you.